you are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit Win, Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global marketing lead at Win by night and product manager and university level faculty by day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Win Win Podcast. I am continuously shocked that spring is here, and coming off fresh out of Earth Day in the last few weeks, I think you'll really enjoy this episode today, where we have the amazing Haley Russell on. Haley is the co-founder of Chippin, which is a sustainable pet food and snacks company, and she actually launched it during her time at Wharton, where she got her MBA. Haley is also a Forbes 30 Under 30 award recipient and has had experience with anything from scaling a juice startup to a tenure with Goldman Sachs, as well as helping Uber Eats launch their bike delivery. Today, we are, of course, talking about Chippin, her most recent venture, which I think is a really interesting take on sustainability. Unfortunately, I don't have pets because I live in a New York City apartment, so if you know, you know. But my brother's cat, Mel, gets a special shout out because I think what Haley is doing is really interesting and consider sustainability from the larger systematic perspective, aka the food that our pets eat. It's a 38 billion dollar industry and so due for disruption, especially because as humans, we try to go vegan and do meatless Mondays to offset environmental damage when we have such a huge opportunity to do the same through our four-legged friends while also taking good care of them, which is obviously really important. Something I also love about Haley's story is that there was actually a pivot involved in achieving her success, and without spoiling anything, it's a really important and huge part of innovation that sometimes is glossed over. I think it's her agility and ability to pivot is one of the reasons why she's so successful and a true innovator. Another really exciting thing is that Chippin actually launched with Patco as a part of their Earth Day initiative, and we know that for a big company, partnering with a startup like Chippin is also a great way to innovate, and for Chippin, it's a huge opportunity to get the word out there. So I'm really excited about the range of conversation that we dive into today, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to join. Of course. So today I'm really pumped to talk to you about your entrepreneurial journey and how you are innovating a $30 billion industry, pet food and snacks specifically. So for those who may not know what Chippin is, could you give us a little overview of what the company is and what are the products are that you currently offer? Absolutely. Chippin is creating high quality foods that help reduce the carbon pawprint. So when we're talking about innovation within a really large category, like you mentioned, what we're doing is pioneering sustainable pet food, which may sound kind of obvious, but it's was born out of basically this insight that we had in which you kind of walk through a grocery store or go shopping online and you can do so wearing sustainable shoes and a sustainable shirt and a reusable water bottle and walk by plant-based burgers and oat milk and all sorts of categories in which there's a high quality and sustainable option for almost any type of consumer product. And then when you hit the pet food aisle, 
it has been so rooted in beef, chicken, kibble in kind of thick plastic bags. And so what we found was that we could start to create new products made from innovative proteins like insects, overpopulated fish, algae, and with that, deliver on the demand to create really powerful, delicious, high-quality foods that also use far less resources like water, um, land, and don't have the same sort of emissions associated with the products. Yeah, no, it's it's a really incredible concept, and I'm going to pick your brain all about it. But before I do, I I did want to kind of take it back to the woman behind the company. By all standards, you started the company at a really young age, even though you did have some very meaningful experiences like your tenure at Goldman Sachs, but also scaling a juice startup and your time launching the bike delivery service with Uber Eats. So at what point in your career or life trajectory did you say, I can really do my own thing and I can make that switch of being all in. I don't know that there was a single moment, but I think that it was sort of this organic progression in which if I look back at my earliest memories of being a child, I always had such an interest in food, which stemmed very much from my upbringing. My mom was kind of a food revolutionary. She became a vegetarian far before it was commonplace in any shape or form or or before there were kind of vegetarian food options. And I always had an entrepreneurial bent. So even as a very little kid, I was creating a belt business. (laughs) Um, I started a summer camp for kids when I was in sixth grade, which now seems um, almost a little crazy that anybody would entrust me with um, kind of running a summer camp. But I had I had always had these kind of dual focuses on food the food system, the meaning of the food system for people as individuals, wildlife, um, and the way that we're using our resources, and then business. And, and so I think it ended up being kind of this natural progression in which I started my career at Goldman, I got this kind of core business foundation that enabled me to feel comfortable with sort of how things work. And then I transitioned toward working within kind of a variety of different food related startups. Um, So I got that kind of viewpoint of what's super, super early stage with the juice company, what's more advanced (laughs) over at Uber. And that gave me some feeling of comfort or foundation to make the leap. And as I identified that there was this exciting opportunity from both a business perspective and a social impact perspective to just give it a go. Yeah, it's so funny because you think about all these kids, you know, creating lemonade stands, but you definitely took it like 17 steps further, which I which I love. And I think at the end of the day, it's really interesting because I was reading all about kind of your initial ideas and it was actually your goal to create human cricket snacks, which uh, cricket is the protein that one of the proteins that you use for chipping. So I feel like the dog element actually feels like a departure. At what point in incepting the company did you make the plunge to switch from humans to dogs? Yeah, I think it sort of related to the conversation of, of like, what is that journey? I think it's very hard to look at anybody's career and think of kind of anyone experienced in a silo. There's always a build. And so even as it related to starting Chippin, I had had this great interest in food. 
I was focused on looking at the protein space, recognizing that it was ripe for innovation. I felt like protein is truly one of the most resource intensive ingredients that exists in any meal experience, whether it be for people or our four-legged family members. As I was looking at the human food market, I talked to experts. I spoke with a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. I was at Wharton doing my MBA program there. And one of the things that I became very aware of was really this kind of disgust factor and all the challenges in moving from trial to adoption as it related to some novel proteins. And then I kind of had this eureka moment in which I was doing like a home kitchen test with some cricket snacks. My dog, Ren, was super interested, and that kind of created a spark where then I was able to sort of overlay this longstanding experience of seeing how there was really sort of a tension between the way that we were eating, the way that we were consuming all these other products, and the way that we were feeding our pets, um, and wanted to see if there was a way that we could, while creating really high-quality foods that our our four-legged family members deserve, um, create something that was more sustainable. It's super interesting that your dog was so into it because I personally don't have a dog or a cat, but my older brother, Michael, has the most amazing Scottish fold. Her name is Mel. Shout out to Mel if you're listening. Um, And she is very picky. I feel like she knows exactly what she wants. He like experiments with 15 different snacks and pet foods until he gets her the one she likes. Were you surprised that your dog was into it? Was, Was that even a eureka moment in itself? At first, I was surprised because it was something totally new. Right. But my dog also was picky. And so in that way, it was notable. Now I'm not surprised because, uh, as we like to say, Chipin is sort of picky, pup approved. We have so many dogs that may have particular food preferences or may have food allergies that really thrive in consuming what today is a suite of snacks. And then also we've recently launched a dog food. But it's interesting because they really do have a different sensory system. So whether Mm -hmm. it be smell or taste, the same things that work for people don't necessarily work for pets. Yeah, and I've heard you say in, in a couple of different interviews, and I'm, I'm curious to learn more about this notion of of the replacement, right? I feel like at Whole Foods, I'm I'm walking by and I see like chip replacement, sugar replacement. And so, you know, when we think about innovation, we are talking about creating something brand new and disrupting something. You went the route of creating a new product versus re-engineering an existing one uh, in some ways Take me through that process of your innovation approach. So I think when we thought about how do we create a product that can be both biologically appropriate for our four-legged family members, accepted by the people that are buying the product, and also deliver on our core values of helping reduce the carbon paw print while creating high-quality nutrition... We, we still did look to what are the existing products, because if you go kind of too far out from an innovation right. perspective, we were already including really kind of interesting novel proteins that are all natural. And you do need viability. Exactly. And so we actually did a ton of research on our first product is a dog treat, dog treat made with cricket protein. Second product is a dog treat made with spirulina, then developed a food. And with every new product 
we did extensive testing with both the dogs, seeing if they were interested in eating it. And then we did extensive testing also with the people and getting a sense for how did the experience really go for them? Everything from looking at the bag and the packaging, like did they understand the benefits for the dog? Uh, what was the experience of opening the packaging? What did it smell like to the person, not just to the dog? And then down to even like, how did their hands smell after they pick up a treat? And with that, we were able to design a product that satisfied both our customer and our consumer that yes, was kind of re-engineered, but really did draw from like what people did like or didn't like from their existing option. It's so true because I was thinking about this, right? And I, I actually went to an event about three or four years ago. It was all about like the future of food. And so uh, they went through and presented all different things. And me and my friend kind of made this pact, like we are going to try everything. And when the Cricket Burger came out, I was like, I draw the line here. I can't do it. I obviously did end up tasting it. But, you know, I, had, I, I honestly still to this day wonder if it was like the mental block that didn't allow me to taste it. Maybe it, I, maybe it was just actually not tasty. But the truth is, while your audience, like your consumer, as you said, is the dog, it's the humans that you really have to get on board. So you mentioned all the different research that you've done, but what were some creative ways that you overcame that initial disgust, if you will? It's been interesting because I, I thought there would be more of an education component than there has had to be. And mm -hmm. that's in part because so many people have had an experience like you had in which you were able to see and acknowledge that there was this form of protein that's really healthy, mm -hmm. but you just didn't really like eating yourself. And what we found in the pet space was that people have been able to recognize that this is great nutrition. And so with that, they've been very comfortable in getting it for their dog because it's it's great for the dog. The second thing is that beef and chicken are the top pet food allergens. So there was this sort of whole other component to our product and our offering that I didn't fully appreciate before starting Chippin, but as we've continued to grow, have realized that so many people are searching no chicken dog treats or no mm -hmm. beef dog treats or food. And it's been extremely hard for them to access options. And so Chippin's solving on not only this need to get a good and sustainable product, but also to find something that's hypoallergenic. So like a new form of protein for dogs. And so with that, we haven't really encountered this like major pushback. There are so many people, as you mentioned, that accept, you know, this new way of thinking and really are prioritizing this climate crisis that we're in and are willing to try out these new uh, alternatives, whether it's overpopulated fish or algae or spirulina. There is still this huge mainstream barrier that you are probably looking to overcome. And with that, I know you recently had a huge launch with a large retailer, Petco. So what was it like to get such a huge partner to buy into your vision? First off, it was very exciting. Petco is really a, a company that has new standards that then start to become kind of the norm for the pet industry. And so if you're looking at a couple of years ago, 
they banned artificial ingredients, and that now has become kind of industry norm. The chip and launch with Petco is part of this much broader initiative that they have released, which is a commitment to sustainability. And so for us to be a pioneering brand that's a part of this much broader movement is exciting at kind of the individual company level. But I think it also speaks to much more broadly, this massive eco-social movement across kind of every consumer category and pets starting to catch up. And I think also it kind of relates to like while we've talked a lot about sort of these unique individual proteins that we're tapping into, if we look at chipping much more broadly, it's really about chipping in, doing something that's good for your pet and good for the planet. And today that's really powered by the protein because that's the most recent or intensive ingredient within pet food. But it's this kind of much broader look at like, how can we make kind of small daily sustainable choices that lead to a much bigger impact? And by partnering with a retailer like Petco, launching in over 158 stores kind of nationwide, also launching on their website, we're able to even more so normalize what we're doing and, and make it clear that it, that really this is the future. Absolutely. And it's it's funny because your company is like the classic scenario of the innovation adoption cycle of, you know, I'm sure when you first came to somebody and said, I'm going to do pet snacks with crickets and algae, like at the end of the day, people probably looked at you a little bit crazy. And now you're seeing this this mass adoption. So that's really, really exciting to see. Something else I was wondering about is you started with snacks. And I'm sure now that you've seen that uh, hypothesis really tested out, what else are you kind of developing? Or are you launching anything else with Petco besides the snacks? We started off with snacks because it was a great way for us to start to build familiarity with our brand, build familiarity with our proteins, and also for ourselves, even kind of test out the market before diving kind of wholly in. What we've recently launched is a daily dog food. This food is powered by a really unique protein called um, silver carb. It's an overpopulated fish, so kind of within those three categories that I mentioned earlier. And it's so exciting because it's super omega-3 rich. It's very digestible. It has like all the kind of core components of a salmon or this sort of standard fish that you would often find on a menu. But it's what we like to think of as a zero input protein source. So right now, not to go too much into the weeds, but give you a little bit of the, the protein story. Silver carb is now more than 90% of the biomass of the Mississippi River. It's kind of totally taken over because they have the ability to eat like a wide variety of things. And that leads to kind of a whole host of issues in terms of there not being the same sort of like fish diversity, uh, wildlife diversity in these ecosystems. And then ultimately, it creates a real challenge for people too, because fishermen or kind of state and local economies surrounding the Mississippi River that rely upon tourism for fishing are really suffering. And then you have this kind of potential follow-on effect of if silver carp were to take over the Great Lakes, which is the kind of primary uh, water source for more than 48 million people here in the U.S., 
It is the one of the greatest sort of freshwater ecosystems in the world. It will be a real issue. And so we're able to kind of once again, solve for creating a really nutrient dense very tasty, mild smelling food. So it doesn't smell really fishy. It almost doesn't smell like a chicken or a turkey, while also removing or fishing for partnering with local fishermen, a protein that literally has to be removed from the river. No, 100%. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, it goes back to somebody just makes a choice that may feel in the moment as small as buying a pet snack or a pet food specifically with your new launch. And it's actually impacting this larger ecosystem, which is an innovation in itself. You've had to learn a ton of different skills on the go as, as a founder, I'm sure. So with this aspect of emotionally innovating, innovating as a brand, what has that journey been like and what have the greatest challenges been for you? One of the things about the innovation process with a startup is that it will always be iterative and there will always be a team and group effort. My co-founder, Lara, really is an expert when it comes to creating brands and brand experience. And, and that's so much of her background. She launched Starbucks Reserve in Italy. And I think one finding for us was that there actually are very few women-led pet food companies. And so we've had this sort of unique advantage and being a select few female founders within the space. And so that kind of emotion that you were talking about in the innovation process, I think it's been sort of absent from a lot of other pet brands, even though it tends to be the female in the household who's buying pet food. It's truly an emotional process because your your dog is like your baby for a lot of people. And so we've tried to infuse the brand and the experience with what has been important for us personally. And then we talk to our customers all the time and and try to kind of pull in attributes, whether it be something with smell or color or even just kind of fun. We have sketches of a planet and kind of a dog dancing around it on the packaging throughout the experience. It's very much a relevant point to bring up the emotion because I, I also think generally that's something that's typically used against women being over emotional or, you know, women can't react. They can only overreact. Uh, last week we had Krupa Taylor from American Express come on and little backstory. We actually, when I was in grad school last year, we were kind of co-founders for about three months of my life. We were looking at starting this e-commerce company and it was actually a really intense time in our lives because we were both so passionate and so excited, but we also really loved our day jobs. And I remember this moment of when we kind of decided not to proceed with it. It was such a vulnerable and honest and emotionally driven conversation, which I think is inherent to both being a woman founder and, you know, women working together. What has been the most surprising thing about being not only just a woman founded business for you, but a double woman founded business? I think one of the things that's been really exciting about being a female founder is this community. I, I've noticed that there tends to be a really kind of high willingness to support one another, whether it be you know, questions about fundraising or new product launches or bringing on a new advisor. We've been able to kind of tap into a great network of other female founders and, and we 
feel we've been able to contribute back to it. Um, so I've really, I've really enjoyed that element of it. But I think also we try not to, we try to focus on really just being founders. It's kind of the core way that we're thinking of ourselves. Totally aligns with what we're doing at Win. You know, yes, we are a nonprofit that's designed to help women, but at the end of the day, our mission and vision is about creating a better future for everyone, which is really aligned with what Chippen is doing. And another amazing reason as to why we're so happy to have you here today. So before I let you go, I'd love to ask you an innovation question. And uh, that is both about yourself and your industry. So where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? One month from now, we will be continuing to push the retail expansion that we've already started within Petco and really focused on sharing our, our new silver carp dog food product. So more of kind of a, a growth focus that will continue throughout the next month. But then I, I think we look at the next year and 10 years from now, so much of what we're committed to and, and what I'm, I'm so excited about and building chip in is truly changing what is the status quo within the pet food industry, bringing to the industry a eco and socially relevant way of developing foods and sharing it with the community of pet parents. And you? I'm a lot of that journey. <laughs> I'm in a lot of that journey. I, I think personally, I have most enjoyed all of the learning with this. I don't think there's any way to be prepared to be a founder. The the analogies of, you know, it's like your baby or <laughs> uh, is is probably pretty apt in that um, you can't you can't know exactly what the journey is going to bring. And so I've been I've been thrilled with everything that I've learned from fundraising to new product development to talent so far. And I just can't wait to keep going. Thank you so much for joining us on the Win Win podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.